0: When you come to the end of a movie, do you stay and watch all the credits roll by? I suspect most of us don't. Unless we know someone whose name is going to be coming by on the credits, we sort of consider that part superfluous to the film. We, You know, when you're reading a book, do you do you ever think about the people who put the ink on the pages and bound the pages together to make it a book? I suspect not, because we are interested in the author and we're interested in what the author writes, but we don't think that much about how it got to us. If you're watching a, an opera or some kind of a stage production, do you think that much about the person who opens and closes the curtain? Only if they don't do it when they're supposed to, right? It's just not on our radar to think about that. If you go to an event in a stadium, maybe you go to a football game or a concert, do you think about the people who were in that stadium cleaning it up before you got there? Probably not. Unless four or five weeks have gone by and they haven't touched it. Then you might think about it a little bit. See, the reality is in our culture and the way our minds think, we tend to, to give little value to work that we can't see. the Work that's behind the scenes. And yet, what kind of movie would you have if the only people involved in the production were the people in front of the camera? And what would we read if we didn't have people to put the ink on the pages and to bind them into a book and and how would a play really speak to us if the curtain just keeps closing and opening at various times and how enjoyable would an event be in a stadium if it's you know if there's stuff lying around you for weeks and weeks and weeks and never been touched we don't think about those things but when we do we realize how important they are to the success and the value of what we are doing. And we do the same thing in the church. We do the same thing all the time. We, we think a lot about the people that we see doing ministry, but we probably give little thought to the people that we don't see and all the work that gets done behind the scenes. I think something of that was in the back of my mind as I was reading earlier this summer. I've I've been reading through the Bible again this year. And when I came to 1 Chronicles, I was reading through those first chapters, which I suspect is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't read through the Bible every year. Because it's just this list of genealogies, you know, for eight and a half chapters. It's just names after names after names. And... And this morning, we, we cut out a number of those names from chapter 9 for our benefit as well as for Jamie's, and I have to read all of those. But, you know, you get, I got to that part of that passage, and I was reading along about the people coming back from exile, and they were reestablishing the temple in Jerusalem and setting things back up, and the priests are back. And, and we understand the work of the priests They're the ones who do the sacrifices. When you come to the temple, you present to them your lamb or you present to them your grain offering or your thank offering or whatever it is you're bringing. And they're the ones that you see, you hand it to them and they do the work in the temple that makes you feel like you've done what you should do. And you have the gatekeepers and we get that as well. There's the guys who stand guard outside the temple and outside the gates and they guard the treasury and, and they're there day and night and we see them all the time. And I'm reading along in this and all of a sudden I come to verse 31 and it says, A Levite named Mathahiah, the firstborn son of Shalom, the Korahite, was entrusted with the responsibility for baking the offering bread. And some of their Kohathite brothers were in charge of preparing for every Sabbath the bread uh, set out on the table. And it occurred to me that even though I've known the bread was in the temple for years, it never struck me how the bread got there. And the writer tells us. And I suspect that most people go into the temple, they go in and they see the bread and don't give a thought to how the bread got there. They just see the bread. The bread in the temple was something uh, the way God planned the worship space from the very beginning. There are censers and there's incense burning and there's places for the sacrifices and, and there's the bread. And the bread seems to be there in order to remind God's people that he provides for them. He provides for them. He's provided for them while they were in Egypt. He provided for them in the wilderness. He continues to provide for them every day. And bread is sort of this universal food that we use to describe anything that nourishes us. And so we prayed in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. He's not just talking about necessarily limiting it to bread, but all the ways in which we are nourished. And when the, when the people walk into the temple and they see the stacks of bread in the temple, they remember God takes care of us. God provides for us. God is the one who brings, sends the rain. God is the one who makes the crops grow. God is the one who ultimately puts the food on our table. And worship without the bread isn't worship as God intended it. Because worship isn't just God takes care of my soul. It's God takes care of every part of my being. And so the bread is there. But somebody has to make the bread. It doesn't just appear out of nowhere. I was reminded, this, as I was working on this, I was reminded of uh, an incident that happened when when John was about four or five years old, he said it would be okay for me to tell you this. Uh, we were in the, I think we were in the car one day and we'd been talking about something that he wanted, that we, are, we wanted as a family. And we, we said, you know, we just don't have the money to buy that right now. And after giving that a moment's thought, he looked at us and he said, well, just go to the bank and get some money. How hard can that be? He'd watch us walk into the bank, hand him a slip of paper and they hand us green cash back. So why don't just do that, Right try to explain to him you have to have money in the bank for them to give you money it's not just anybody's money it has to be our money but I think there's something in our mindset uh, and the people I'm sure in their mindset about the bread it just sort of appears I and mean, when we think about where it came from and when you consider the fact that in those days they didn't have a kitchen Aid, and they don't have the same kinds of electric and gas ovens that we have baking bread was a whole different kind of thing This is from an excavation, I believe, in 1941. And you see this clay figurine of a man, a person rolling bread, preparing the dough, baking it. It was a big process. And yet somebody made that bread and saw that not just as something they had to do, but something they were called to do. Something they were privileged to do even though nobody probably paid any attention to it. It was just there. And there are all kinds of things that go on in the church that are behind the scenes that most of us don't know about unless we're involved in it. And we might know about this part of it because we're involved in that, but we don't know about all those other things going on. And this morning, I just want to say thank you to every one of you who is involved in ministry in general for the kingdom, but also in ministry in ways that is behind the scenes. Ministry that doesn't get a lot of recognition. Ministry that doesn't bring to you a whole lot of accolades that people see, but important, valuable ministry nonetheless. I want to thank all of you who teach Sunday school. Thank those of you who work in the nursery changing diapers and dealing with children who may be struggling with being away from their parents for a while. Thank you to those of you who who give of yourselves on Wednesday night with our Boys and Girls Clubs, who deal with pretty energetic children and try to stay up with them and to give your energy to them. And thank you to those of you who work in children's church Thank you to those of you who, who work running sound system and the PowerPoint slides. People who deliver meals on wheels. People who, who go and pick up people and take them shopping because they aren't able to do that on their own. People who work in the library. So that we have this wonderful place of, of learning and knowledge and everything is categorized and cataloged. And they, and they choose great books for us to read. Thank you for those who work with the youth group. Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. Thank you to those of you who come in early Tuesday morning and make pancakes for the youth prayer breakfast and stay after and clean up. And nobody knows. Thank you for people who who ever so often go out of the nursery and take all the toys home and clean them. And nobody knows. Thank you to everybody, those of you who Who are involved in ministry. In making the kingdom what God has intended it to be. And in helping us be the church that God created us to be. Thank you. You know, Paul tells the Corinthians in chapter 12 that that the gifts that we think are weaker and less important are really indispensable. 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 Most of us don't tend to think that way. Most of us think about what we do as it doesn't really matter if I do it or not. But the reality is it's indispensable to the the mission of the church and to the advancement of the kingdom. And when we are doing those things, particularly those under the radar, behind the scenes, inconspicuous kinds of work, when we are doing those things then we are a part of of beginning to answer the prayer that we prayed a few moments ago that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And we are changing people's lives and we are allowing us to be the church that we were created to be and to move the kingdom forward because people are willing to work behind the scenes. Thank you. You know, We may not get a lot of accolades now. And people may not know what we do, but the one thing we can be sure of is that nothing we do is invisible to God. He sees it. He sees the time that we spend putting together a Sunday school lesson. He watches us chasing little children around the church. He sees us investing ourselves in the teenagers of our church. He sees us going behind people and 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 cleaning up after them. He sees us putting inserts in the bulletins. He sees us working in the library. He sees all of it, even if nobody else does. He sees it. And when, in Colossians three seventeen, Paul is talking to to the the church about how they are to live and how they're to act and how they treat each other. And he comes to verse 17 and he says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. And everything we do for the kingdom brings glory to God. it, It stuns me when I really begin to comprehend that, that what we do, everything we do, not the stuff that's big, not the stuff necessarily that everybody sees. It's not limited to that. It does that, but not limited to that. But all the small, common, ordinary things that we do bring glory to God. And I think when God watches us do things behind the scenes, off the radar of most people, I think it brings tremendous joy to his heart. Now, I can almost see this huge smile on God's face as we do ministry of the kingdom simply because it's right. Because we care. And because we want to bring glory to God. And I just want to say thank you. As we take communion this morning... One of the reasons we're doing this is because this table is, is level ground. You know, everybody comes to the table as equals. There's no greater gift or lesser gifts at this table. There's no, I do this, you do that at this table. There is no, my job's more important than your job. It's just the table of the Lord where we come. And, and as, as people who are in need of the grace of God... And we come as equals to this table, all that we do important to the kingdom, all that we do equally valuable to the kingdom, all that we do bringing glory to God at this table. Because we come to this table, all of us, as sinners in need of God's grace. We're taking intention this morning as you, you come to the front, you tear off a piece of bread and dip it in the cup and eat it. We're, and, we're gonna, and we're doing it that way because we're watching everybody walk to the front. As people walk to the front, be reminded that every one of these people has a part to play in the kingdom. And some of what people do is more visible. Lots of it is not visible. But it's all a part of the kingdom. It's all a part about, of, of making the church what God wants the church to be. I'll just add a, a footnote to that. If, if coming to the front is difficult for you, we've got a tray in the back and we will be happy to serve you in your seat. Just let the usher know. But as we watch each other take communion, we re- remember that God is at work in all of us. And God uses all of us. and We're all valuable to the kingdom. And all that we do is significant to him. And that's also why we talk about practicing open communion at the Wesleyan Church. It's because we're all in need of God's grace, and we all need what Christ is offering us at the table. And whether you're a Wesleyan or anything else, if you come this morning with with a burden in your heart for the grace of God in your life, then come. Come to this table of our Lord that He invites us together. Because so I was working on. This sermon, my mind went back to the, the first day that I went to college. Far too long ago, I'm realizing. It was a Sunday. My parents dropped me off there at campus. I was out in Oregon at George Fox. And we had just moved to Oregon a couple of months before. I didn't know anyone. Didn't know my roommate. Didn't know anyone on campus. And, you know, it was a little bit overwhelming at times. But I remember the next day as classes started... One of the parts of, of, you know, paying for the education was I had a work-study job on campus. I would suspect a number of you had those as well. And I was assigned arbitrarily to work for maintenance. Now, fortunately, they didn't assign me to building anything or to doing plumbing or electrical work or any of those kinds of things because they would not want me doing that. I walked in, and I don't know how they knew this, but they walked in, and they said, we've assigned you to work with Everett. Okay, and... Who's Everett? He's over there. So I walk over to this guy, He's, I would guess 60-ish, thin, wiry-looking guy. Um, and he introduced himself, and he told me that his job was to be, was in charge of doing all the setups on campus. Somebody needed tables and chairs set up, he was the man. Somebody had a room situated a certain way, he was the man. And so for that, that year of college, I worked with Everett, and we set up all kinds of rooms, carrying chairs and tables from this room to that room and this building to that building, you know, all over campus. But what intrigued me was that one thing I noticed about Everett is that whatever we were working, I could always count on him either whistling, singing, or engaging in some kind of dynamic conversation with somebody. He just loved life. And he loved being around people and he loved to visit with people. I can remember many times carrying a table or a couple of tables from one building across campus to another one, something that would probably take 10 minutes, Might take us 25 minutes because there were always people to talk to along the way. And it was never, you're never too much in a hurry to set those tables down and have a conversation. And he he just loved talking to people. And he was always talking or singing or whistling, something like that. I remember times when we get a work order that was last minute and it was due in a very short amount of time. And I'm thinking to myself, they couldn't plan better than that. And his response was, All right, son, we got some work to do, let's go. And off he'd go, whistling out the door. And I worked in my freshman year, I worked in my sophomore year, and my junior year, he was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And I eventually obviously he, he had to quit his job and he went to the into the hospital. And I went to see him a few times, and it was the same thing. You know, he wanted to know about me, he wanted to know about my life. And We would talk about what was going on at the college. And later that spring, I went to his funeral. And I thought back about that funeral service. Most of the maintenance group was there some people from the college, some folks from his church, his family. It wasn't a huge funeral, hugely attended funeral. Nobody got up at the funeral and said, talked about the, the earth-shattering things that Everett had done with his life. He just lived an ordinary life, common life. But I can tell you this, I'm certain when he met his maker, he heard, well done, good and faithful servant. And in the end, that's really all that matters. And I've been thinking a lot about him lately. And about why I do what I do and how I do what I do and even what I do. And the attitude and the spirit of that. And it just reminded me how valuable, how valuable every person is in the kingdom to making the kingdom what God intends it to be. And so thank you. Thank you for being people who bake the bread and bring it to the temple for the glory of God.